Welcome everyone to our third episode of Living the Stream podcast. I'm JJ Zacharyson, better known as the Late Round Quarterback. You can find me on Twitter at Late Round QB. And I'm joined by my man and co-host Denny Carter. Denny, how's it going, man? Hey, man. Well, I uh, I've been in the shower most of the day, crying after realizing you know there's no football for the next six months. But other than that, I'm I'm actually really good. That's good. I've been in the shower crying for a different reason, and that's the <laughs> fact that. Joe Flacco uh, is the Super Bowl MVP. It's it's your personal apocalypse. Yeah, it, it's 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 worse than my personal apocalypse. It, it's it's something that I never thought would ever happen in my life, and it's it's sad. But Joe Flacco, uh, he's the Super Bowl MVP, and you know, do you, so he played a great game. He played a great playoffs. He he, did. he you you can't take that away from him. I think anyone that watches football knows that uh, what Joe Flacco showed from about week 15 on is not what Joe Flacco showed the four-and-a-half-plus years prior to that. But at the same time, all you need is a run, just like a goalie in hockey. You just need that guy to perform uh, you know, during a stretch run, and that's what he did. And it's, it's pretty insane that, that Jacoby Jones play against Denver – has now turned into the Ravens being Super Bowl champions. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of those plays, though, that you, you, you feel, you know, I know you can't, like, quantify these things, you know, statistically. I know that's what we all love to do. But, but you know, seeing that play, uh, you just have to feel like like it's just going to happen after after something crazy like that. I, I know, it, I know it, it doesn't mean anything in the long run, but uh, I actually, I think that, be, you know, uh, it's it, it's not so much it wasn't so much Flacco as it was getting rid of Cam Cameron. I think that that was more important than Jim Harbaugh's switch to Colin Kaepernick because because I, I believe that that the Niners could have been um, a top team, a, a, a very Super Bowl competitive team with Alex Smith. I know that sounds. A little, you mean Matt Castle? Uh, Matt Castle, Alex Smith. I you know right right one of the same, but but. Um, but I mean, you have to you have to admit. I mean, the Ravens wouldn't have sniffed the Super Bowl if uh, Cam Cameron had called plays all year, right? I mean, yeah, that's close. I agree completely. You know, that's the whole Jim Caldwell story is really, really being overlooked, and the fact that he won the Super Bowl in Indianapolis. I mean, this guy is is one of the lesser known yeah. coaches in the NFL, and all he's all he's been doing is winning. I, you know, mind you, he had Pete Manning, but. It's still, you know, he was the only coach to win with Peyton Manning. So, you know, give give Caldwell some props. Give John Harbaugh some props. You know, this is probably the least talented team that they've had since Joe Flacco's been in the league. And now, obviously, Flacco played better than he ever had. Uh, but, you know, the, their defense throughout the season was was unbelievably inconsistent, whether you want to blame that on injury or not. Uh, and, and when Haloti Nato went down in the second half, that's when things really started to turn around for San yeah. Francisco. And and you know Baltimore hung on, so props to them. Now the the polarizing football community is at an all time high, just given this this uh, this whole Joe Flacco thing. It's like I feel like I feel like Satan won, and like and like half <laughs> oh half God. of America half of America is on Satan's side. It's just See, I think I think that you I think you know I mean your your Steelers roots obviously uh, you know make you hate the the Ravens, and I, I get that, uh, but but uh, Flacco. I think you're giving him too much credit to paint him as like the devil because because I mean he's not even he 
he if he were had some personality, I would totally get that. But he's just like a dud. He's just like a total dud as a person. I, I can't I can't bring myself to to hate that guy. I just yeah. It, it's you know, and to to be fair, honestly, part of like this this whole Joe Flacco hatred is so overblown by some people. Like you know, it's a clear like it, it's it's part fake on my end. Like sure. I'm just you know I'm just trying to have fun with it. And the amount of people like one of my really good friends here in Cincinnati was was honestly texting me last night like asking about my mental health and oh. it and it like it blew me away like it's like I, okay i get the fact that i've been hating on joe flacco but it's not to that point i mean it's not that extreme it's just it's a football player yeah, everybody relax really yeah just chill out for a sec uh but yeah the, i mean it was a great game i i you know i when the lights went out i didn't even want to watch the game anymore but i'm really glad that i did i mean i would never turn off the super bowl but um, so what are what are some of the the things that you thought were just kind of insane during that game? Any any guys stick out to you? Well, I, I mean, I think uh, it's um, it's easy to overlook uh, kind of the recency bias in um, uh, in in the Super Bowl uh, since it's the last game that we're going to see, the last meaningful game that we're going to see for a long time, uh, and from here on out, it's all about projecting and and looking back. Uh, at uh, at the season that was, but um, you know I think that there are a lot of um, a lot of things that that might be overblown. A lot of players who whose whose value maybe uh, you know took took too much of a hit or maybe too much of a boost uh, in the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously guys who come to mind, you know Crabtree. Now look at um Crabtree has looked fantastic. He's impossible to tackle. Kaepernick throws it to him almost exclusively especially in the clutch so uh i'm you know that's uh i'm not trying to undersell him but i think that people will you know remember him last as far as uh up and coming receivers and maybe overdraft him next year same with kaepernick i think we've talked about that before i wrote an article on the fake football about how you know uh kaepernick being having this fantastic postseason will might you know boost his value beyond a reasonable uh you know uh, any kind of uh, reasonable projection um and uh, and flacco i mean let's be honest i think flacco could flacco's uh 2013 value took a huge boot you know a, a a huge boost last night yeah no i definitely definitely agree with you and then another guy uh you know that i was kind of and i've been lower on uh over this playoff run is ray rice but now you know, more and more people are seeing Bernard Pierce and and seeing the kind of talent that he is. It's almost like a like a reverse psychology play here, where I, I completely think that Ray Rice uh, we're going to see some uh, some decrease in numbers next year. But at the same time, people might honestly overblow this Bernard Pierce situation even more so than 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 I would think. And and I've been one that has been pretty high on Bernard Pierce, so. I think just given that Ray Rice could end up dropping a little bit in that first round, and and you could get uh, some potential value. Well, yeah, no, oh, absolutely, and I and I think uh, uh, I think people might see it as an even timeshare or something close. And and look, this has happened before with Rice. I remember when when uh, the Ravens picked up Ricky Williams in late July or early August a couple years ago. You you would have thought you would have thought that Rice instantly became Ricky's backup. Uh, the way people reacted to that when when McGahey 
um, in 2010 was, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the timeshare back. He really wasn't uh, crushing Rice's value even at that time. So, you know, Pierce is coming on. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think people could say, uh, you know, I'll pass on, on Rice in the fir- with my first pick because Bernard Pierce is going to get 15 carries a game. Well, he's, he's not. He's not going to get 15 carries <laughs> right. a game. But I think that, you know, that might be a, kind of a misconception. Definitely. And I, I mean, I think in any sustainable playoff run, I mean, we saw more of Michael James towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. We saw you're going to see more of that second tailback on a team just because they need those fresh legs in the game. And I think, you know, Ray Rice is a guy, I mean, he's one of the best talents at, at running back in the league. So don't don't give up on him just yet. I think uh, just given uh, Bernard Pierce's uh, national attention, I think that we're, we're going to see a potential decline uh, in Ray Rice's value next year. Yeah, but and take – Go take, ahead. Yeah, I was going to say just if you hear, if you hear your, your league mates talking about how, you know, they don't want Rice no matter, you know, no matter where he falls in the first round or even maybe into the second depending on the type of league you're in, uh, uh, take advantage of it. You know, I, I, I think sometimes we make a mistake of trying to correct our league mates into thinking, you know, into thinking more logically. I think you kind of want them to believe that Bernard Pierce is the man and, and that Ray Rice right. is, is going to, you know, fall in 2013. It could easily, I mean, we talked about this, you and I were talking about this earlier today. It's like, this could easily be one of those situations that you're talking out, talking yourself out of someone special. Like you're, you know, they're like this is. I'm, t- I'm referring to the the Peyton Hillis, Jamal Charles situation entering the season. It's like, it's like guys, it's Peyton Hillis. Like he had that one f- great season with with Cleveland. Sure, next season he did nothing, and Jamal Charles is one of the best backs in the league. And people who legitimately thought that, myself included, I talked myself out of uh, the Jamal Charles hype. And I talked myself into this Peyton Hillis hype, and that just completely ruins, you know, that ruins your sixth round. Like it's just gone. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a perfect situation where just just really take a step back and be logical, and just know that it's Ray Rice. It's still Ray Rice. He's 26 years old. He's fine. Yeah. It's he's gonna be fine. fine. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so did you uh, did you think Flacco was deserving of the MVP? I mean, I, I think I tweeted like pretty late into the third quarter that. Obi Jones was clearly the MVP. I I don't I don't really understand how that. I guess because because Flacco's the quarterback, uh, and I'm no Jacoby Jones fan. I mean, who is? But I, I just think that he <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> the, so so obviously I've been very critical of Joe Flacco's play, and and overly critical. Sure, that's fine. Uh, but that same friend I was talking about earlier, you know, I. I'm texting him during the game. I'm like, man, that pass Jacoby Jones was that was all Jacoby Jones. That touchdown was all Jacoby Jones. Yeah. Like he he burned Colliver. He gets in. I mean, he's in the open field. The ball's five yards under thrown. He gets it and he makes a play for a touchdown. I mean, that sure it's you know it's a 45 yard pass and only so many quarterbacks can can just make that kind of pass under pressure. That's fine. But you know that that play was Jacoby Jones, and I think. You know, on the other side of of Jacoby Jones, Anquan Bolden played a really, really nice game. I mean, he's he's got to be one of the most underrated receivers in football because he doesn't. He kind of he's like a Heinz Ward type. You know, he just doesn't. He's not the flashiest guy in the world, but he he's he's physical. He's he's the one guy. He doesn't he doesn't create any separation, but he always catches the ball. He had he had two drops all season long. He had two actually in the Super Bowl, which is insane. But really? oh. yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, he, he had two drops all season long. That is insane. He had the best drop rate in the NFL, which shows you how good that yeah. guy is. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he has, I mean, just, just, just the eyeball test, he looks like he has the strongest hands of anybody, of any pass catcher in yep. the league. And also, he looks like he has more, like more of a determination to just grab the ball and pull it into his body than, than most guys. You, you see a lot of guys with their hands all over the football, and and they can't pull it in or it bounces when they hit the ground. It, that never happens with Bolden. And and amazingly, like you said, the guy's the guy's blanketed with coverage because he can't outrun anybody. He's not going to juke anybody out. But those hands and that ability to kind of box out defenders in 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 that in that way that he's been doing for so long really pays off. Yeah, and I'm telling you what, if if reports are correct and if Baltimore you know signs Flacco to this big. 18 20 million dollar deal and they they lose Anquan Bolden I am frightened at what happens to Joe Flacco I'm not saying that because I'm a Flacco hater I am saying that because Anquan Bolden extends drives that is what he does and you know how many times did you even see in the Super Bowl Joe Flacco with with this newfound athleticism mind you where did that come from he Flacco was escaping the pocket better than Roethlisberger does. Yeah, it was, was up with that? Yeah, that I, I saw. What? That was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It's like he was. It's like he was just twenty four seven p ninety xing during the two week off period. <laughs> like it was, it was incredible. And he, he, uh, you know, that one play that he made down down the sideline. I think it was on the first drive to Torrey Smith. I mean, that alone is like this is the way that the game's going to go. Like you, yeah. you could just you could tell from the beginning that 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 was the Ravens game to uh, to lose, but. On the other side of the ball, Chris Colliver, man, uh, you know, after t- after telling reporters that he wouldn't play on a team with a gay man, I think that Chris Colliver met karma yesterday. Yes, yes, you right. Know, and I, mean, I think it, that the Onion, I actually retweeted an, uh, an Onion article about Chris Colliver, like, something like uh, afraid to get too close to Ravens wide receivers. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, it, it was true. I mean, the guy was just scorched all day. Oh yeah, he got smoked. And Dante Whitner played an awful game. I mean, the Niners don't really have. I mean, I, I, I sincerely believe if the Niners played the Ravens ten games, they'd win eight of them. Yeah. And, and you know they're they're a more talented team. Uh, forget the Ray Lewis hype. All of that's stupid. But you know, I, I I do think that there there is a weakness in that secondary. Dante Whitner did not play very well either yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um. So. You know, moving forward, I I think that they're they're going to have to address that uh, in the off season. I'm glad that David Akers didn't miss that field goal too. Oh my gosh, dude, that that guy's done right. I mean, they have they have He's to cut him. I, I told my friend during the game, I said, uh, I said, no matter what happens in this game, they have to cut David Akers uh, like pretty soon after the season's over. If he kicked the winning field goal, they would still have to cut him because you can't go into to. next season with that guy. Right. Well, according to uh, a really interesting conversation I had on Twitter today. Uh, kickers are just as important to a football team as as quarterbacks are. I don't even know what what was going on there. There's really no reason to dig into that too too far. But uh, I think I think that there there's a reason to mention it because it was a, it was a legit argument by some by someone who was saying that if you don't have uh, a, an elite kicker. Then basically, your chances at, at, at going deep into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl are uh, are at risk. I don't know. I mean, and and I think you pointed out, which is a really good point, 
uh, Dan Bailey and uh, Henry from the Eagles, yeah. the two most accurate kickers. I mean, yeah. did that 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 worked out perfectly for those two teams. Oh right? yeah, the, the Eagles and Cowboys are just loving the day after the Super Bowl right now. They're just right. they're loving life. I mean, it, it it really blew me away. Part of his argument was the fact that Justin Tucker accounted for whatever many points seven or whatever yesterday, and you know. <clears throat> This kind of plays into the whole late round quarterback idea and philosophy and the the whole idea of understanding what value is and replaceability and just capturing that. I mean, sure, Justin Tucker kicked those field goals, and if he didn't make those field goals, then yeah, the Ravens would have lost. But that doesn't mean he's important because there are handfuls and handfuls of guys that can come in and kick those field goals. I mean, there are, there are high school players that can kick those field goals. There are not... There are not high school players that can make the passes that Joe Flacco was making. I mean, let's get real. It was it was it was seriously it was incredible. It was yeah. a really incredible conversation. I thought I was being trolled, but then I wasn't. Right, right. And 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 uh, I I was trying to and I was I was actually trying to like like follow his logic and I'll get off this in a second, but uh uh I was trying to follow his his logic to to kind of its natural conclusion, which is Sebastian Janikowski should have, you know, led the Raiders right. to three Super Bowls by now. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? I don't know. That's right. No, that that is his that that is his logic. And then he called you a smartass. Yeah, yeah, no. Which, but I was I was I was actually trying to follow. I was trying to play along for real. I mean, and, and if you have a if you have a guy like Janikowski who can bang sixty three, sixty four yarders, and not many guys can, then you would think that 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 would like feed into his you know early round kicker strategy. I don't know. Yeah, it 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 was mind blowing. I, I seriously, I, I actually told him that I just could not speak with him anymore. Like it was, it was just that. Like you just can't be rational at that point. Like it, and and didn't he tweet something like that he was dropping football knowledge to people today or something like that? Afterwards? He wasn't. Listen, he wasn't just dropping football knowledge. <laughs> he was dropping football knowledge all day long. Period. Oh. Dot period. 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 <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah. It's it's seriously incredible. Well, that's the Super Bowl. The season's over. It's not it's not good. But we are into the off season and uh the draft's coming up. But we're gonna talk about the draft that matters to us, which is the twenty thirteen fantasy football draft in August. So today we're gonna do kinda what we did with the top ten uh last time around, but this time we're just gonna do top ten quarterbacks, my favorite. And uh you know, Denny and I will go back and forth. I unfortunately have no step-by-step analogies to make like I did Saved by the Bell. No <laughs> Patrick Duffy or anything like that. But uh, I, I, uh, I think it'll be interesting. The quarterback position next season, you know, we all say that it's super deep, which it is. But in my opinion, the quarterback position should be always considered deep, just given the demand of that position. Uh, but, you know, next season it's going to be very, very interesting with this with this new class of quarterbacks. Um you know, I think we'll still we'll get into that in a sec, but I think that we'll still see the same guys up top. But I think the gap is definitely closing, definitely. So, Denny, who is your number one quarterback off the board next year? Uh, I, you know, it's Drew Brees. Uh, he he was the top scoring uh, fantasy quarterback in 2012 and 2011. Uh, I'm looking back now, 20. Uh, no, 2010, he was number six. But still, the guy, look at the guy plays in an offense that was, you know, that looks like it was created by stat heads, right? Like we all got together and was like, 
we, you know, uh, you know, we 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 need a an offense that's going to rack up a bunch of fantasy points and be reliable every year. He gets Sean Payton back. They're they're going to be on a mission from God to get revenge on everybody. Um, so I, you know, I think that he's 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 kind of the clear number one guy for me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I have Breeze number one also. Uh, one thing that uh, I'm really going to try to focus a lot of my analysis on, uh, you know, into the offseason and in my, my new book is the idea of this week-to-week consistency. Because I think, I think it, it just it's always overlooked when we're looking at these cumulative totals because it's only 16 games. You can skew that data very easily. Cam Newton did that this year for sure. Um, and and, and even, even Russell Wilson did a little bit. Uh, but I, I think with, with Drew Brees, what you're getting is the most consistent quarterback in fantasy out there. He he had eight games this season where he ended up being a top 12 play and being startable. A lot of those games, he was a top six play, meaning you had you know a great advantage at the quarterback position. He's got the weapons around him. He's actually got some young younger weapons around him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with Sean Payton coming back, uh, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Drew Brees should be the number one guy uh, uh, at quarterback off the board the next season. Especially, I mean, he was second in the league in pass attempts too, only behind Stafford. So I think that that too just kind of lends itself to to being a nice nice pick. Although it won't be a value pick, I'm sure, because he'll go in the first round at some point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And given you know, given my stance on all quarterbacks, it's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, so we got Drew Brees number one. My number two guy is the number one guy from this season. I have Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know his attempt numbers this year. I'm I'm a big believer in in attempts. I wrote an article over at Pro Football Focus a couple weeks ago now, uh, and and kind of talked about the correlation between pass attempts to fantasy points. And of pure pocket passers, it really is a helpful tool to use. Um, you know, it gets a little bit little bit uh, less you, you get less of a correlation between fantasy point production and pass attempts when you're talking about RG3 or Russell Wilson or Cam Newton just because they run the ball um, but with Aaron Rodgers you know he was I think he was 10th in the league this year uh, in pass attempts mm-hmm. and and actually last year the season where he just went nuts and he was a 20 plus point fantasy guy every week he didn't even play week 15 and he I mean he did not he didn't throw a lot of passes. He's just unbelievably, unbelievably efficient, and that's that's what you're getting out of Rodgers. And I think uh, this year with him, you know, he you did see inconsistency uh, from week to week with Rodgers, but I think we can attribute some of that, some of it, to the wide receiver carousel that they had going on there with. You know, Jordy Nelson was hurt, then Greg Jennings was hurt, then Jordy was hurt. It seems like Jordy Nelson got hurt every time he walked on the field. Every time. Every time. Uh, so, and, and, you know, Randall Cobb's going to be even bigger in that offense next year. James Jones played well. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be very interesting. I know this is a quarterback pod, but James Jones is going to be an interesting, interesting guy next year. Yeah, no, but, I, I can't hate on that guy anymore. I, I've always, I've always wanted to, I've always like tried to hate on him, but you know, yeah. I mean, he does a lot with what he's given. Yeah. Honest. I mean, he was, some of his touchdowns this year too, were not just, they, they, they weren't beautiful passes i mean he made some plays absolutely so that's my number two you got it who do you got at number two so i just I, I want everybody listening to know that jj and i didn't discuss these rankings before and i i swear we just got on here and started talking here uh but i mean i have rogers second too that's why i say that uh but just in case we have like, we have like down the line similarities anyway 
I, I mean, Rogers is the anti Matt Stafford, right? I mean, he he doesn't he he doesn't attempt a, a ton of passes, uh, and uh, he's really good with the attempts that he does have. And uh, you have to believe that they're going to shore up that offensive line uh, next year. Maybe they'll get some, you know, Stephen Jackson, someone someone out there to kind of uh, you know pose some sort of running threat. Um, so I, I just, there's no reason I, I couldn't find a reason to drop Rogers below two. So he's stuck there for now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously, like I said, top, the top quarterbacks are going to stay consistent year to year. And that's going to keep early round quarterbackers, uh, drafting quarterbacks early without really digging deep into the numbers like you and I love to do. Um, who do you got at number three? Uh, so despite how, putrid he looked uh, against the Ravens in the playoffs uh I I would go I'm going with Peyton Manning at three um I just just looking at the season that he had it it, now this is another like you know recency bias situation where our last memory of Peyton he looked absolutely ordinary um uh at the end of that game uh uh I think he threw like a like a six or seven yard out route to Eric Decker and the one of the announcers, Dan Deardorff, was like, "Oh, and he and he he finally, you know, a strong throw to the outside, a stick throw. The thing, it was a it was a flutter. It was it was an absolute duck from seven yards out. Uh, so he he looked miserable. I don't know if it was the cold. I don't know if he had been hit early in the game. If that glove wasn't working the way he thought it was. But I, I'm willing to overlook that and remember that the guy had a 53.7 PFF Q, uh, quarterback rating this year." Uh, Rogers was next and he wasn't even close. So, um, he, uh, his peripheral stats were off the charts. He dissected defenses, uh, throughout the year. Um, you know, and I, I don't, I don't see any reason why with another year of familiarity with those receivers and that offense and that city and just those surroundings that he wouldn't post similar or better numbers. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I got, I mean, Peyton's obviously in my top ten, but he, uh, you know, his, the, the talent out receiver there. I mean, Demarius Thomas is unbelievable. He's yeah. he's really really good, and to have a guy like Eric Decker to compliment him is is definitely awesome. And we have to remember that he didn't even have Willis McGahee for part of the season, and you know who, who I mean, no Sean's no Sean. I don't I mean, <laughs> for what it is, but. I, I do think that things could have been a little bit different in their running game and kept the defense a little bit more honest if McGahee hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah, I agree. So uh, my number three guy is Cam Newton. All right. So uh, you know he had a let's he had an easy schedule at the end of the season. I think that's definitely something yeah. that, that you have to keep in mind. He played well against Atlanta, uh, but as you saw in the playoffs and throughout the season, Atlanta didn't didn't play very well against running quarterbacks. Um, you know, Russell in the second half, especially Russell Wilson started to play very well, and and uh, Kaepernick started to play well against Atlanta. Kaepernick only had like 35 yards, but um, so you know, I, I I like Cam because he has unbelievable upside, and you know, even though Trzinski's gone, uh, Mike Shula is their their quarterback coach, and he's going to be the the offensive coordinator now. Uh, you know, Cam Newton is is a fantasy football stud. I, I don't think that can be disputable. I I think. Or disputed. I, I do think that, uh, you know, I, I was hesitant on Cam coming into this season because of his reliance on rushing touchdowns, which is something that I just I don't like to do with fantasy quarterbacks. But he did it again this year. He got he still got scores on the ground. So I'm going with Cam at number three. I would really like to see a little bit more on a Brandon LaFell. 
I think that uh, that he could he. I was super high on LaFell this year, and and you know he had some games where where he came out um, and and played well. But I, I really want to see more consistency from him. And you know another year with uh, with Greg Olson. Greg Olson's one of the most underrated tight ends in the league from yeah. a, from a receiving perspective. So I think I think Cam's a, a solid pick uh, as the third quarterback. But again, he's going to go overdrafted and overvalued. So I'm not going to own him. I'm sure you're not either. I know. You know that that's the funny part about about these rankings. I'm looking at these guys and thinking, damn, it would be nice to have one of these guys on a team. I'm not yeah. going to have any. I'm not going to have any <laughs> of these guys on on my none, teams. None. none. None of them. Um, so uh, at four, um, actually, I, I had a really tough time with four and five, um, and I'll tell you about it in a second. But at four, uh, I went with Colin Kaepernick. Um, nice. I know I just I just talked about recency bias, and then I put the guy <laughs> at four, which makes me probably a, a you know a total fraud. Sorry, but um, <laughs> uh, as good as as good as he looked, and he looked great. Uh, and throughout that was that nine or ten game stretch that he played, his field vision wasn't wasn't fantastic, especially when he got bodies around him. He kind of he kind of locked in on one receiver. I think you saw that a couple times last night, especially on that pick that he threw to Ed Reed. Um, and so, I mean, he as good as he looked, uh, he could actually get markedly better. I really I really believe that um, as a, as a pocket passer. Um, and you know, from a fantasy and a reality football standpoint, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, no, definitely. His, his running ability kind of reminds, he's like a faster Vince Young cause he has that deceptive speed. Like Vince Young would just like, he, he would, he would run, he, he would just take one stride and he had a first, I mean, it was like a five or six yard gain. It was insane. And Kaepernick, yeah. Kaepernick has that same kind of a feel to him, but it's, uh, he's faster. I mean, it's. He's just—he's so fast. I mean, you, you see guys—you you see linebackers with decent speed uh, have have crazy angles on Kaepernick going to the sideline. I mean, angles that you think, well, obviously he's going to get to him at the sideline, and Kaepernick and Kaepernick gets the edge and gets past him. I mean, yeah. he—I I saw someone describe him, uh, his running style as um, that of a velociraptor. Nice. And uh, like, if you think back to like Jurassic Park, he actually runs like a Velociraptor. It's it's uncanny, really. Yeah, I mean that that's a per- last night his touchdown run was a perfect example of that. I mean, yeah, it was just, that was a total dinosaur run. Yeah, it was a total dinosair run, definitely. <laughs> um, Who do you have it for? So my number four, I got Tom Brady. I think the big key here is Wes Welker. I mean, I, I I do think he's he could be on his way out. That's fine. But it would be interesting to see who they bring in because they will bring in someone. If that's Danny Amendola, that could be super, super interesting. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I, you know, I tweeted this stat out last week. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, and I actually posted it. I, I had it in a player profile on LateRoundQB.com, and then I posted the stat as my headline on Reddit, and people on Reddit just destroyed it because they didn't click through to the article. But uh, Tom Brady without without Wes Welker up until 2007. Tom Brady never threw more than 28 touchdowns in a season. When Welker came to New England, he never threw fewer than 28 touchdowns in a season. Uh, now, a lot of people are going to credit that to this to this new age NFL, pass attempts are higher, what have you. But if you actually look back at the numbers, Tom Brady's pass attempts haven't increased all that dramatically uh, since you know year three or so of his career. So I, I, think, I think there's something to that because Wes Welker – 
you know, he, he opens the field for other receivers, and he is absolutely Tom Brady's security blanket. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, I take it for what it is. Uh, you know, Julian Edelman can't take over that. You know, they, they need a guy that can come in. That would be awesome if, like, a that'd be awesome if like Percy Harvin went there. But oh, gosh, ridiculous. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. That would that would be insane. I have 60, <laughs> 60 touchdowns. Where's fantasy douche? I need to make Randy Moss to to yeah. Percy Harvin comparisons. <laughs> but uh you know, if 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 they get a guy that can at least somewhat replace Walker, you know, still feel good about Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. Don't get him in the for I wouldn't I probably wouldn't even get Brady in the second round. Uh, you know, if you're of that mindset. I'm clearly not in that mindset. But Brady's my number 4 guy. Uh, I think think he'll still be a safe pick, but you know, beware about Walker. I think it's a big, uh, big free agent there. Uh, yes. So my number five, I have Matt Ryan. Now I was I was kind of scared here because of the <laughs> because of Tony Gonzalez retiring, and uh, but it's kind of hard to not take Matt Ryan with the receiving with the receivers he has. Uh, you know he. Proved this year that his ADP was somewhat worth it. His the oh my god! I remember the rise in his ADP when I when I published oh. when I published my book in June. I was very very high on Matt Ryan and this is just super high on him and Julio Jones. Published it in June. He had like a tenth, ninth or tenth round ADP, and by the time the season started, he was being drafted in the fourth, sometimes even the third or second round in drafts. I mean, it was it was absurd. Uh, you know, I think. I think he's we're, – we're finally in this in this list, I think. Once you get to the five, the fifth or sixth quarterback, you're getting into a range where where people might start thinking, oh, I'm going to wait because of this plethora of quarterbacks. Uh, but, you know, Matt Ryan, I think he'll have a solid season. He's got he's, – he's there at number five for me. Who do yeah. you got? Uh, uh, I'm with you, by the way, on uh, on, on Ryan's ADP. Uh, just, just quickly, I, I wrote a – I think it was in mid-July where Matt Ryan was going in like the seventh round, eighth round. I was like, oh my, there's so much value there, so much value. And, um, you know, I don't know, two weeks later, you know, the the secret was out and he was throwing, he was looking unbelievable in the preseason. And that was, so that was the end of that. Yeah. He was such a darling, though, for a minute. I, I thought, I thought for sure, I had we had everybody who who kind of values that late round uh, quarterback uh, was had something yeah. there. And the, the thing with Ryan too is that he was he was unbelievably overrated throughout his career from from a fantasy perspective. I mean, yeah. just through the roof overrated. And then the year, fin- you know, finally it comes this year. Julio Jones, second year receiver. Roddy White, one of the best receivers in the game. Gonzalez is, is obviously in, uh, you know, one of the top tight ends in the league. And and then you know once once the hype train starts, it just doesn't stop. Yeah, I know. I was I was pretty devastated. Um, so wait, we're we're at five. I'm at five now. Number five. Okay. Uh, I have Cam. I have Cam here. Uh, uh, I I dropped him. You know, I I had trouble with four and five with Kaepernick and Newton, but. Um, I dropped Newton to five because, um, honestly, I mean, Mike Shula doesn't, as offensive coordinator in Carolina, doesn't really inspire a ton of confidence in me. Yeah. Um, I, I know, I know they're gonna, they said they're gonna stick with what they've been doing, and I get that. But um, he just, you know, when I heard his name, I didn't, I didn't, you know, exactly jump, jump out of my seat. Sure. sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, like, like you said, uh, Newton actually kind of bucked the trend of. Um, Rushing touchdowns, um, yeah, 
uh, didn't he didn't regress too much. Uh, and actually, if you look at his second half of 2012, it's kind of, it's almost identical to his first half of 2011. Yeah. So that's a good point. Uh, so you he had kind of the same year in reverse. Yeah. And you know, so I think that kind of skewed the people's perspective on him. Um, but if you're talking about safe, safe guys and and guys who can single-handedly win you weeks, then um, you know he's obviously in that conversation and should be for a while. Yeah, you know, again, I think at least from from my perspective, my one through seven are very very close. Well, maybe not one and two, but you know, my my once you get to three and four, up to maybe seven, the ADP of those guys, I have a feeling, are just going to be sandwiched together in like the third and fourth rounds. I mean, given given the way that people have drafted recently, I could I could definitely see, um, you know, a, a situation where there's a quarterback run in the in the middle of these early rounds, uh, and and then you and then there's going to be a potential gap, and then you get to the late round guys. But you know, there's a reason for that. You have have some crazy talent up top. So. Yes. Yes. So, who do you got then at, at uh, number six? I have Brady at six, um, and I know that seems really low for him, and I get it. Uh, but and and I and I would I would say that you know I mean look at we're in February, so if the Patriots have you know wide receiver upgrade, uh, then he's he's going to move up for me, um, and they probably will. So th- this is not obviously not like permanent locked and loaded number six. Sure. Uh, until August, but uh, it, I think anybody who watched um, Brady in that in that Ravens game, especially in the second half when they were forced into um, uh, you know in, into kind of that that hurry up and throw mode um, to, to to come back, he, he I mean, is it me? Maybe it's me. Tell me if it's me. No, his no. arm looked terrible. Yeah, time. he did. Not, I thought yeah, his he, arm looked 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 weak. It looked like yeah. he was kind of throwing lollipops. I don't know what was up with that, but. It didn't. It didn't look great. Yeah, I mean, part of me wants to credit the Ravens' defense. Part of me also, it, he he just he didn't look good. He did not play a good game. I will definitely say that. Um, and that last interception he threw in the end zone yeah. was like, I mean, that that thing was was in the air for ten seconds. It seemed like I, I, and I'm not. I know that he's never had, um, you know, that kind of like Aaron Rodgers rocket where he can just he can just load up and and drill the ball through a receiver's chest but right. um he de- his arm just doesn't look like it like it did and look I mean he's getting older you know Peyton Manning's arm doesn't look the same you know it it, right. it, it happens yeah you know i i i do wonder if there was an, a, a Rob Gronkowski impact uh at some point in the i mean whether the the slight inconsistency if you want to compare him to Drew Brees uh, from week to week, had to do with the the Aaron or the Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski injuries, or you know whether you want to credit that or not. I do think that Brady took a, a slight step backwards in his game this year, at least the tail end. I just didn't didn't see it out of him. It wasn't the same kind of guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, so at number six, I have this is where I have Kaepernick. Um, you know, I, he, th- what has really just just blown me away is his arm strength it is it is incredible yeah it is it's insane you know i so i live in cincinnati obviously and i love i love to give Bengal fans a hard time it's just so easy 
<laughs> and and you know Andy Dalton got drafted a pick before Colin Kaepernick. So today is not in, today's a doubly hard day for Cincinnati fans because not only do they hate the Ravens, but Colin Kaepernick was in the Super Bowl and he played pretty well in the Super Bowl, and they're all thinking I could have that guy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know I I I have Kaepernick at six. Um, you know AJ Jenkins he needs to step up next year. They need to they need. I think they need more of a red zone threat. It, it also blew me away. We didn't talk about this earlier, but it, it really blew me away when uh, they didn't target Vernon Davis at all in the red zone when they were on the five at the end of that game. He had he had matchups all day in that game, and they went to Crabtree, Crabtree. Crab, I mean, it was it was just crazy. I know. Like they, oh, God. The, the, that, drove, the, that drove me nuts at the end. Why? Like, yeah. like uh, first of all, why is he under center? Why is Kaepernick under center on that yeah. play? Yeah, uh, that third down on? play. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make him ordinary. You're gonna take away yeah. the thing that makes him that gives him an advantage that makes him borderline unstoppable. And, and, and you're gonna put him play, under center. Yeah, and the most important play of the season. Let's just throw him under center. It, oh. It's it, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm getting really mad right now. Can we stop talking about this? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I could. I could see your, your face getting red, more red by the minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, you know the uh, I did uh, say about his arm strength. What, uh, I a few times last night where he drilled the ball to Vernon Davis a couple times. I I got out of my chair like I jumped up because yeah. just, and it was just an ordinary completion twenty yeah. twenty five yard completion. But just the velocity that the ball it, came out of his hand it's unreal. Yeah, the, probably the only good thing that Phil Sims pointed out yesterday. God, he was awful yesterday. I mean, he's oh. awful. He's awful every day, but he was especially awful yesterday. Uh, but the one there was that one one play that he pointed out where uh, Kaepernick just kind of flung it down the middle to, to Vernon Davis and he hit Vernon Davis about a second before Ed Reed got there and clearly like Ed Reed's really good at playing football right mm-hmm. and you know he knows he knows how to jump that kind of route and the fact that Ed Reed was that late to get to Vernon Davis on a, on on a play that he should I mean. Ed Reed would have picked off any other quarterback on that play. The fact that that Colin Kaepernick could get it to Vernon Davis that quickly was the reason why, uh, you know that 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 works. It was really, really just incredible. And and the the crazy part about Colin Kaepernick to me is that this is going to be his first full off season as the starter. You know he hasn't had that yet. And yeah, we're not talking about a guy who who just came on after four years kind of mediocrity. I mean, yeah. he's just hitting his stride. I. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of scared to to pass him up next year. I, I will because he's going to go way too early. But yeah. and I know, I know you're going to punch me in the face <laughs> if I uh, if I take him in the second round. So I, I don't dare do that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I mean, he's he 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 has probably the most potential reward out of any quarterback in next year's draft because he's capable of doing anything and if they get if they get some more pieces uh, like if they use LaMichael James more next year for, they they could easily use LaMichael James more next year because his pass blocking is phenomenal i mean he yeah when Kendall Hunter got hurt and everyone's a little bit nervous about about their third down running back situation and you know Frank Bores getting older and getting beat up and now LaMichael James is he looks good he's legit. i mean that the, the, the Niners have the best team in the league. I don't even think it's close, right? Like, I, the talent-wise, they're they're stacked. Right. 
it's it's pretty insane. I'd like to see them get another receiver, or if AJ Jenkins shows something his second year. Um, you know, it was kind of like a tryout for him this year, just the way that rookie receivers work. But yeah. we'll see. So who do you got then at? Uh, I think are you on seven? Seven, yeah. I have I have Ryan at seven. Um, yeah. uh, I was actually I was looking at his twenty eleven to twenty twelve stats, and and I was a little surprised that. Um, he had the six most attempts this year, pass attempts this year, but he only had 49 more than he had in, in 2011. And I know that they really changed offensive philosophies from, from 11 to 12. And I, I understand, yeah. you know, that they, that the focus was more on getting the ball to, um, you know, to their best players, their, uh, their Julios and, and Roddy Whites. But, um, I was, I was a little surprised that Matt Ryan wasn't more of, that kind of volume thrower that that mm-hmm. I thought that I thought he was. Um, I guess it's been a while since I've really looked closely at his uh, at, at at his numbers from this year. But um, so that's why I have him just one below Brady. Um, but you know, I can't go too terribly wrong with him. I I, I do have to say though, I, I think uh, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier. Uh, we're not putting Robert Griffin in these rankings because yes, good point. it's just kind of dumb to assume that his knee is ruined or or fantastic or anything in between right now so i i just we'll 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 do that at some other time when we have some more news but for now he's uh kind of uh not not in not in contention for the top 10 yeah now people are gonna think that this is a conspiracy because we did talk before we did this because we both did decide that robert griffin the third was not going to be part of this Right. No, no. We are in, in some form of electronic communication during the day, yes. But we didn't pass around our ranking. Yes. Truth. So, like, like I said earlier, I think one through seven, because I have Peyton Manning here, and it's, it's low. I get it. I get it. It's low for Manning. But like I said, one through seven is, I think once you get to eight is where you get to a different kind of quarterback. You get to a guy... I mean, I don't even know who you have, but I think that there's going to be more question marks with that guy. Uh, but anyway, my, number seven, we, we already talked about Manning. Uh, you know, his arm look, looked weaker against Baltimore, and just kind of your feeling about Brady against Baltimore. Well, maybe Baltimore just has some crazy Yeah, effect. I don't it's know. It's the maybe Ray that's Lewis it, effect. Man. It's Ray Lewis. Oh, it Duh. is. It is Ray Lewis because he's so good. He's so yeah. good today, these days. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. I, I just tweeted, you know, he had a negative uh, PFF rating on his last four games, but he's he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. So, he's unbelievable. I mean, he the, the way that he tackles football players is just incredible. Yeah, because, you know, you know, here, here's here's his his little strategy. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh once a guy is down with four people on top of him, then he jumps on top of those four, those five oh, guys, right, right. and then he gets a full tackle credit. Yeah, credit yeah. To him. Gets, so it works that's out. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He gets a sack sometimes too. Right. He he once he once got a sack when he was sitting on the goal line, and no <laughs> one and, and the line of scrimmage was on the forty-five, and he, he somehow got a sack. Well, in that's those just, eight weeks that he missed, he recorded fourteen sacks. So I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. God, I cannot stand Ray Lewis. Uh, that that's do people really think that Ray Lewis is the reason the Ravens won the Super Bowl? Like, do people yeah, think that? I think so. That, that can't be. It's like I'm, 
no man can motivate you to play any better when you're playing in the biggest game ever. No, and if you needed him to motivate you for That's the Super problem. Bowl, then there's something wrong with you. That's right. Here, here, here's what should motivate you. you your your lifelong goal to get to this point, <laughs> yes. your, all the pain and suffering that you've experienced to, to, to make it to the top of your profession, and money. There, those are the things that should. That, that's what they played for. They played for themselves and for money, and that's, that's okay. Right. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. But to say that like Ray Lewis inspired them, and that that's that's the only thing that won it for him. That's that's just yeah. you know what I, I I find that to be just like a like a naive narrative and a convenient one. And I see it a lot. I live in Maryland. I see it a lot here. All the news stations today, all the local stations. I mean, first of all, you would have thought Ray Lewis was dead because they were giving <laughs> they were giving eulogies. I mean, they were yeah. eulogizing his career for 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 all all hours of the day. This is crazy. Yeah, you know, it's. I think that if Jacoby Jones uh, would have, uh, I, I could totally see Jacoby Jones if Ray Lewis wasn't on the Ravens, just going out of bounds on the one on that kick return because he would. <laughs> He wouldn't be doing it for any any reason. Like there would there would be no Ray Lewis momentum for him and, and factor. So he I, would just he would just probably run to the one and just say screw it. Well, I I'm, I have to say I'm a little surprised that instead of the, uh, the 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 punt strategy at the end where they ran out of the back of the end zone, I'm surprised that they didn't have uh, Ray Lewis do his uh, do his dance during yeah. that play as yeah. it's kind of a you know commemoration of a final goodbye to That's him right. you know during actual play. Yeah, and then the 49ers would have to bow down then, right? Like I, that think, would... I mean, per league rules, yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Just to, just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. So uh, my number eight guy here, I guess we'll get back into this and get off our Ray Lewis okay. ranting. Okay. Uh, my number eight guy is our boy, Matthew Stafford. Um, so I, like- so I, I have him here because of quantity. I, I think... One thing that gets so – we talked about this on, on another pod. One thing that gets so overlooked is that he was – outside of Calvin Johnson, he had nothing. He had, he had me, you. He had, he had Javid Best in a hospital room. I mean like he had – that was kind of wrong. That was probably in poor taste. <laughs> it's too soon. It's too soon, JJ. Good poor Lord. Taste. God, that was bad. I am told you, man. This is, this is a bad day for me. The Ravens are Super Bowl champions, and Joe Flacco is making Disney World commercials. You're in a dark place, my God. I'm in, a, I'm in a very. By the way, the Super Bowl commercial stuff with Joe Flacco, the Disney World thing. If I hear the "When You Wish Upon a Star" intro, I'm turning off my television. Oh. I have yet. I have not seen. I don't know if the commercial's out there. I have not seen it yet, and I plan to never see it. If I ever, if someone on Twitter sent me that link and acts like it's an article to some Colin Kaepernick, like phenomenal Dynasty League piece. And it ends up being the Joe Flacco "When You Wish Upon a Star" commercial. I'm unfollowing you. Um, <laughs> man, what a threat! I'm unfollowing you. That's what that's what this has come to. Ooh, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, so and the Stafford. I mean, they finally released Titus Young today. Let's let's give the Lions some credit for that. That's yes. Take some balls, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see where he goes. By the way. Um, but but there's talks that that the Lions could get Reggie Bush, which I think Chris Wessling was the one who reported that originally. Um, that would be awesome. That would be that would that would be the perfect fit. Um, you know, they they do need they have Ryan Broyles. Uh, you know, they they have weapons obviously with Megatron. But if they got Reggie Bush, a guy out of the backfield, a, 
You know, they have Joyke Bell right now, who has one of the best first names in the, in the game, but he's, you know, is, is Joyke Bell really your answer? Mikel Lashore is, oh. is, God, he's, is he, is he worse than Sean Green? I mean, that, look, he's like a 23-year-old Michael Turner somehow. I, I mean, the guy, <laughs> the guy gets so many carries and does so little with them. Right. Oh, my right. God. As, a, by, listen, as a Stafford Keeper League owner, I... I've said unspeakable things about Mikel Lashore. Let's just say that. <laughs> like, I mean, by by him being a 23-year-old Michael Turner, you mean, like, Michael Turner now trapped in a 23-year-old. It, right, yeah, no, body. no, big, fat Michael just, Turner of yeah. today trapped yeah. in a 23-year-old's body. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, like, he's... It, it, it is mind-boggling that he was fantasy-relevant. I think part of that was just because of that, like, three-touchdown game he had against Jacksonville earlier this year. But and that was... It, BS. That that game. That was BS. I mean, listen. That that guy. He scored three touchdowns. I think he had like thirty carries. Oh no no no. I'm sorry. That was against the Titans. I'm thinking of the Titans game. He had thirty no, carries, I, for like ninety nine yards think, or something. I think it was. That's another thing with the Lions, though. And and the the Jags game is a perfect example because I too am a Stafford keeper league owner because I got him two years ago, late round quarterback. Blah blah blah. Not keeping him this year because I learned my lesson about opportunity cost and keeping a quarterback, but. You know, that, the, that game, I think, was one of those games where it, it was kind of like the, the Lions season. Like, Calvin Johnson went down on the one how many times this year? Like, seven? Like, on seven, the one or yeah. two? Yeah, it was just something absurd. And and that in fantasy football is all the difference between a guy that's, uh, from Matthew Safford's perspective, a guy that's ranked 10th to a guy that's ranked 5th. I mean, that kind of stuff seemed to happen constantly with Stafford. Stafford threw the ball 727 times this year. Like... I had a, I threw a stat out there one day. I was just I was just bored and I was just looking at at stats and I uh, Stafford's last two seasons the number of pass attempts he's thrown is I think it was the equivalent of what Terry Bradshaw had thrown over his first five seasons in the NFL. Wow. Maybe four and a half if I if I remember correctly. I mean it's just absurd. He just yeah. throws the ball so much. That alone that'll just draft Matthew Stafford if he's falling in your draft. One one hundred percent. I cannot fault you for that. I don't care. I mean, he's not he's not the best mechanically, um, but he's got the volume. Right, right. Yeah, I actually I'll, I'll get to him in a second. I I have him in my top ten just a little later. Um, you had him at eight, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have Russell Wilson at eight, and um, I know that that might be higher than a lot of people will have him. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of a Russell Wilson guy, you know. A hipster, if you will. Yes. Uh, as are you from from yes, back in August. I am. I am. Uh, but I, I just, I, you can't ignore some of these, um, some of these ratings. I mean, um, I looked at uh, Pro Football Focus. He's the sixth highest rate, uh, rated quarterback, uh, just a tenth of a point behind Matt Ryan. So I mean, basically tied with Matt Ryan, and only one point four points behind Drew Brees. Uh, incredibly efficient. At, we saw what he could do when the handcuffs were loosened a little bit mm-hmm. um, in the second half of the season when Pete Carroll started to trust him more with um, with the read option. And um, uh, he makes great decisions. He has a, de- a deceptively strong arm. I, I think that you see a guy of short stature and you think that he's going to be kind of a pop gun, have kind of a pop gun arm. He could, it, it couldn't, that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, he was a third leading rusher among quarterbacks with 422 yards, and he, here's here's the kicker. I think 
you were talking about Stafford and and his just absurd amount of pass attempts. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson attempted the twenty fifth most pass attempts in the league. Twenty fifth. Yeah. I, I mean that that's that that will definitely rise next year. And I think with that rise can only come more <coughs> fantasy goodness. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't think that there's any reason to think that he's going to suddenly become a uh, a mistake-prone gunslinger. I mean, this is not who he is. Um, he can sometimes save the day with his rushing totals. So I, I, I really, really like him safely inside that top ten. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the pass attempts thing. Didn't he, he was, all, I mean, he was hundreds of pass attempts below Stafford, but only finished like 10 points behind him in fantasy. Something yeah, crazy I think like we were tweeting about that a couple weeks ago. It, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, a, it was crazy. It was like, what was it, two, 220 more pass attempts for Stafford? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have, I, don't I, mean, I, told, I said Aaron Rodgers is the anti-Stafford. That's actually false. Russell Wilson <laughs> is the anti-Stafford. That's true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Actually, it, do you do you put stock in, um, you know, if a quarterback like like Russell Wilson has a good good defense that's that's going to keep games low scoring? Do you put stock in that at all, or do you just ignore it given the state of the NFL? I, I mean, I think that you, I, I think that when, when you incorporate the performance of a defense and try to calculate exactly what def, what what the, the that team's defense will do and what the other team's defense may do against it. I think that you're just adding questions to an equation that was already complicated. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that it's it, it's best to look at what Russell Wilson can do against a certain defense and go from there instead of say you know uh, uh, oh well they the Seahawks have a really good defense so I can't start. Russell right. Wilson. It just doesn't that 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 mindset, that kind of thinking, never really held water with me. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and I think when you have a rushing quarterback, it, it, it becomes even more irrelevant because you get you get a, a completely new element that you know it doesn't. You don't even have to be. You don't have to force the passing issue. I mean, it's it's you have a guy like Marshawn Lynch, but you also have a guy Russell Wilson that can run the ball and and take the clock down and if it's a third and eight and you know the Seahawks are up 25 I don't know why they'd be up 25 up 24 (laughs) in the middle of the fourth uh, Russell Wilson can can extend drives with his legs and I think that that adds to to his fantasy value so I I was just curious because I know some people overthink that kind of stuff I mean it just gets out of control yeah I mean don't don't you know I'm not saying that you should just make really simplified decisions in fantasy but um, I think that it's really easy when you start thinking in that direction to overcomplicate it. I'll, I'll tell you another one. When someone says it, 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 this falls in the same categories uh, to me. When someone says I'm going to start Akeem Nix, so I can't start Martellus Bennett, right? Right. Yeah. I hate and, you. I, and I say I don't know what that means. What? Why? Why wouldn't? Why? What? Why wouldn't yeah. you? I mean, I yeah, I get what you're saying that they're both on the same team, but right. that. They don't directly like rip each other's value to shreds. So. Right, right. I mean, like independently, they're the same value, right? Like just because you're start, I, I it's it's the whole too many eggs in one basket thing. But if it, like a, a player has individual value, and you have to look at that player only when you're making these lineup decisions, and the more you overthink things, the more you're gonna be pissed at yourself when the when the when Sunday's over and you lost. I mean, oh. it's just it's the worst yeah. feeling in the world. Absolutely. 
The worst. So uh, who, who do you – it's uh, nine now, right? It's number nine. Yeah, so nine is where I have Andrew Luck. I think we're going to have the same guys in the top ten, which is interesting. Uh, I just have a feeling. So nine nine is Andrew Luck. Uh, you know, his pass attempts were, were super high this year. My big question mark with him is the loss of Bruce Arians. So Bruce Arians, you know, he, he was I think he was the offensive coordinator in Cleveland for a little while when they actually I think when they lost to the Steelers 36-33, if I remember the score correctly. This is my my Steelers love. It was when uh, Kelly Holcomb played for them and he started in the playoffs. Uh, but but Bruce Arians then, you know, he comes to to Pittsburgh eventually, plays with Ben Roethlisberger. Goes to Indianapolis, plays with Andrew Luck. I mean, he's—is it Bruce Arians that's making these quarterbacks good, or are these quarterbacks just making Bruce Arians look good? Um, and, and while while for sure Andrew Luck uh, is a good quarterback, let's not forget that Bruce Arians just won Coach of the Year, and that that's not something that just happens for uh, you know for any reason. I mean, it is because he's a good a good coach and. I think uh, you know Andrew Luck is a guy that if if he does drop, I don't I don't think that he will drop because of his name. Uh, but if he does drop in your in your draft, you know he has a lot of room for improvement because he threw a lot of picks. Uh, his completion percentage wasn't very high, but his pass attempt numbers were pretty high. And they don't have you know a sustainable running game that's gonna uh, take away from that and. You know, I know we just talked about it, but their you know their defense isn't isn't anything special. I think that they're going to be in some some high scoring games next year. We should definitely expect that. I think he's going to easily throw thirty plus passes a game. So again, it's it's a it's a Matthew Stafford situation. Andrew Luck has more talent, uh, but I think Stafford with Megatron probably has better well better weapons. I would guess if if they're healthy. Yeah, uh, I agree. So, so you know, I got luck at nine. I think that he could be a value pick, but again, right, you know, I think he'd be a late-run quarterback. But again, I think uh, someone's going to probably reach for him because of his name. Sure. Um, for for my number nine, uh, we're, I mean, we're of the same mind on, on Matt Stafford. Uh, I'll just make it quick. He had the worst possible year that he could have, and he finished as the 10th the right. highest-scoring quarterback in fantasy. Exactly. So. I mean, just just keep it in perspective. I know you. I know everyone hates him because you drafted him thinking that he was going to throw sixty-five touchdowns this year, and he didn't. But right, but that's their mistake. Um, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> that's their mistake for the early round quarterback. Exactly. So uh, he was just twenty-five points behind Matt Ryan. If that makes you feel any better, uh, ignore the mechanics. Uh, just focus on the volume throwing. Who cares about the sidearm if you're a fantasy owner? I, I don't right. care. I, I just just keep keep chucking it for me. Right. Um, Brian Hartline, there was some talk about him going to Detroit. Yeah. Uh, he's, um, I would say a slight upgrade from Chris Durham. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, so Slow between bit. him, Broyles coming back, maybe Reggie Bush. Go- I mean, I, yes, please just give me yeah. Stafford as the ninth or 10th or 11th quarterback off the board all day. It's, it's almost like we're placing the Miami Dolphins offense into Detroit and seeing how different Matthew Stafford and adding Megatron, obviously. And seeing what Matthew Stafford can do with them, rather than Ryan Tannehill. But yeah, imagine if, if Hartline goes there. That's an interesting pick next year because he put up over a thousand yards, but he only scored twice this year. I mean, that's I I, I love Brian Hartline. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a regression king for 2013. Yeah, definitely, most definitely. I think he showed it against Arizona this year in that overtime game. Yeah. So, uh, all right, my my last 
last guy, number 10. This is where I have Russell Wilson. Um, it, he was the best fantasy quarterback from week seven on from a, from a cumulative total perspective, I believe. Wow, and, really? I, yeah. I had no idea. That's yeah, unreal. I remember running, running the numbers one day. And, and I, it was from, a, from an average, uh, average points per game perspective. And he, it, it is incredible. And I think they, they took off the training. And if I'm wrong with that stat, uh, you guys can tweet at me and tell me how, how stupid I am. But, uh, you know, they, the, the Seahawks really took off the training wheels. And, you know, Russell Wilson did not have uh, the, the, the same kind of preseason that, that other starting quarterbacks did either. Kind of a, it's not necessarily a Kaepernick situation because Wilson was always competitive with Matt Flynn throughout that, uh, training, that training camp and into the preseason. But Russell Wilson's going to have this team, you know, it's his team. And he's going to be able to, um, to do some, some special things potentially next year. So I have him at 10 right now. Could easily, easily see him finishing as up to a, the fifth best quarterback next year, without a doubt. I mean, anytime you get a runner, you're going to have high upside. But at the same time, you, you have to, you know, like he had that big game against Buffalo, and that's another thing that's going to skew his data a little bit. Right. But that's just what you get out of running quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, uh, at 10, I have Andrew Luck. This is kind of a blah pick for me. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to put him in there. I'll tell you the one stat that made me not want to put him in there was his completion percentage. Now I know he's a rookie. I know he had to throw a ridiculous amount of, of passes this year. I had the same completion percentage as Chad Henney and and one percent better than Mark Sanchez and John Skelton. Yeah, you know that's that's. Uh, that's less than good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think with with uh, with luck that that was the reason he uh, didn't win, didn't get close to winning rookie of the year was because his numbers just weren't there. I mean, RG three is not it's a it's a it's a statistical driven uh, award, and RG three had it, and Andrew Luck didn't. Yeah, no. So he's he's in my ten, but you know, I I won't blame you for if if you're out there and. And you and you disagree wholeheartedly. I I'm not I'm not exactly married to that that kind of uh, ranking for him. Yeah. So you know we had the exact same quarterbacks in the top ten. There was no one outside of it. So I'll just randomly choose these guys in random order just to recap who we had in the top ten. We had Breeze, Rogers, Brady, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Kaepernick, Peyton Manning, Luck, Stafford, and Russell Wilson. So those ten guys are our ten guys. And if you really think about it, it is incredible. That in a ten-team league, the worst you can do is one of those guys yeah. as a starter. Wow, it's in, it's incredible. You got you're missing out on not we didn't even like we, like we said we didn't even talk about RG three, missing out on RG three, Tony Romo, Andy Dalton, Josh Freeman, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Philip Rivers, Matt Schaub, and even Cutler with with Tressman. I mean, that it's insane. Wow. I mean. I, th- I think this is the year that people might make that move to two QB leagues. I really do. And that's going to make me really sad because my whole, <laughs> my whole shtick you're, is gone. You're going to have to write 13 versions of your book like we talked about the other day. <laughs> Dude, was that, that guy really thought that that was going to happen. Oh, that was, that, was, that was funny. Wow. Yeah. That was awesome. For, for those of you who didn't see it, because, which means all of you, because it was just me and Benny <laughs> talking to this guy. Uh, he uh, this this guy was just tweeting at me and he's like, oh, do you have a book with that's that's 
six points per touchdown pass, and he just starts listing off these incredible, incredible fantasy uh, variables. And I'm and so it just it just caused Denny and I to go on this sarcastic uh, tweeting rampage. Right. It, on, it also shows why you should be constantly monitoring our Twitter accounts. I'm not sure yeah, why, you're I don't not. Know why you're not. I maybe yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong with your life right now that you're not doing that. But maybe you should yeah. think about it. Yeah, maybe maybe get a little ping every time that we tweet something. There you go. God, their God, their phones would be blowing up. That would be bad. That would be real bad. So anyway, <laughs> just like uh, the the other the other uh, podcasts, we're gonna end this podcast on uh, with rants. Denny and I today well, we did we did converse about what we were ranting about. We have we have words that we're gonna talk about. We have individual words. That we want to rant about. Um, I'll go first this time around. Um, I think it's only fitting. I want to play some music again. <laughs> I think it's only fitting that uh, you know I, I I rant about the word elite with all my Joe Flacco hatred and what the media does to this word elite. Um, I, I think that we need to save the word elite for fantasy football because I mean seriously. I'm sure there are people who think, you know, Big Macs are elite sandwiches, and I'd, I'd even venture to guess that, that, some, that some individuals out there believe that Honda Civics are elite cars, um, but, but why is that? You know, why do, we, why do we think that? Well, it's because the term elite inherently has an element of subjectivity. I think that, but when you look at fantasy football, elite can absolutely be a quick descriptor because the game is completely 100% stat driven. So the term elite then becomes where do we draw the line as to what numbers are elite? What when do we draw the line as to when a po- fantasy point total is elite? And that's it. But when you're t- when you're debating about the word elite outside of football, we judge it on non-fantasy point items. It's not just stats. To some, it's wins. To others, it's championships. I mean, there's so many factors, like the team around you, that go into whether or not a player is elite. So, look, Joe Flacco isn't elite because we all can look at him and we know and see that Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are better. But really, who is elite? Is Brady elite because of what he's historically done? Is Peyton elite because of his numbers? Or what about Brees? Or what about Rodgers? I think we all need to realize that it's a team game and that then that uh, quarterbacks like Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco have been beneficiaries because it's a team game and because they won championships. Um, and, and that's the reason why they're talked in the same sentences as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. But really, why do we have to categorize quarterback play like it's a food group? I mean, there, there are just so many factors to the word elite that it just gets complete. It just is silly. So just stop. Stick to fantasy football if you mention the word elite, and let Hall of Fame voters do the on-field categorizations. That's uh, that, that pretty much speaks for everyone who is sick and tired of hearing the word elite and flacco yes. and elite and elite and elite all the time. So well, well said. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. So the the word that I was uh, thinking of and uh, talked a little bit with uh, JJ about was uh, uh, the word expert. Um, I know that's, that might sound funny, but the, I have to say that in, in conversations I get, uh, you know, that, that, that I go through on Twitter, e- either that I don't participate in or people who tweet at me, uh, the word expert is thrown around, around way too loosely. 
And here's the way I know, there's a surefire way to know who, if you are not an expert, is if you label yourself an expert. That's the one way to know. I'll give you an example. I, I, I once had a friend who uh, called herself a, uh, a World War II buff, okay? Now, here's the way I know she doesn't know anything about World War II, because she called herself a World War II buff, okay? If you want to, I mean, you can demonstrate knowledge, demonstrate all day. And in fact, demonstrate and share, share your knowledge on whatever you want, it, whether it be, you know, fantasy football or something meaningful, you know, out there in the world. So, that you know, everybody relax with the word expert or with guru, with all these words that indicate that you are somehow, you know, far, far superior in, in every way. Uh, when compared to all other fantasy owners, I, I I don't I don't think that about myself at all. In fact, I I just you know seven months ago started this, I started writing, started getting involved with the great fantasy community on Twitter. Uh, there are a lot of people I would call experts out there, but they don't call themselves experts. So let's just relax with the word a little bit. And if someone calls you that, good for you. That's that's really awesome. I mean, that's that's you know kind of the dream. So uh, wait for someone to call you. Don't call yourself that. You're exposing yourself as a fraud. I think I think you're an expert, Denny. Oh, shut up! Come on. <laughs> I think I think you're an expert. I'm actually I'm ready. I I do. I I completely agree with with the idea there. It's so self-serving and self-righteous to to just feel that way. It's so ridiculous. Like you just, it's, we didn't go to school to, to make fantasy football podcasts. You know, like we're just, we're just doing, we're doing what we can right now because we enjoy it. And we're trying to, you know, help people in fantasy football. Yeah. Done period. Like we, we like it. We enjoy it. And also if you, if you, if you're calling yourself an expert, then you are, you're opening yourself up to getting crushed when things go wrong and things will go wrong. Trust me, yeah. everyone, everybody gets things wrong. Not just a little wrong, a lot wrong. So yeah. if you're calling if you're saying that you are qualified to make these huge judgment calls on players week in, week out, year in, year out, and that you know that these things are gonna work out a certain way, then you're just you're just setting yourself up to get spiked, especially on Twitter. Yeah, no joke. I mean, you, you're exactly right. You open up a can of worms whenever you call yourself that. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it could get very ugly. You're in one of the most unpredictable industries that you could possibly find. And to say that you're going to get something right, the instant you get something wrong, you're going to get a guy that messages you and says <laughs> that kickers are just as valuable as quarterbacks. No. Oh, I can't take <laughs> it. Oh, my God. Never. God, that was so bad. So that does it. That is podcast number three of living the stream denny it's been a pleasure as always yeah. hope your child how's xavier doing great he's 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 good i've been uh, kind of reading stats to him every night to help him go to sleep yeah. I, I think that he's catching on i mean if he's not in a dynasty league by age two uh i think uh i'm gonna have to you know give him up for adoption or something that's kind of the conclusion i've come to just given the area that you live in, please, please do not allow him to become a Ravens fan. Oh, no, no. He's not allowed to be a fan of anybody. Just fantasy good. football. Good. Okay. That's good. That's smart. I mean, it saves you the agony of, of Super Bowl hangovers like I have today. All right. Cool. 
So, all right, guys. Well, I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can find me at Late Round QB. It's kind of crazy that that is now like the way that we we are. We're handles. <laughs> we are handles. Right? Yes. We're like we're handles. The matrix has has taken over. I think that's what that means. Yeah. So I'm at Late Round QB. I you know you can find my stuff LateRoundQB.com. Pro Football Focus. Uh, Denny, where can they find you? At at CD Carter 13 and uh, I'm at sportsjerks.net and uh, uh, fakefootball.com uh, with my uh, evil boss, Chet Gresham, who makes me write all day, every day. Uh, all the time. And screams at me in public. So he's, uh, yes. he's a good guy besides that. Yes. Great guy. All right, guys. Well, I'm JJ. This is Denny. And we are just living the stream. Maybe.